Welcome back, everybody, to Threeper Fighter Radio. I am your host, The Nobody, and I am here to inform you of various truths that you may or may not know. Welcome back. It has been a minute since I have done another episode, but this episode is going to be, I believe, pretty good, and it's going to be extremely beneficial for you to hear the whole thing. It's going to be a long long episode. I'm going to cram a lot of stuff into one episode since I haven't done uh, an episode in a while. This episode is going to be about the United Nations Treaty and the United Nations Participation Act versus the sovereignty of the United States of America. Uh, I believe a lot of the problems that we are facing today is due to a lack of knowledge. Even in the Bible, God says, my people perish for lack of knowledge. Okay, this is what's happening here in America, especially. We are being destroyed by the enemy because of our lack of knowledge, especially lack of knowledge of the Constitution. See, it is of utmost importance that you study the law, study the true law of the land, and that is the United States Constitution cannot be changed. There's no man on earth, no politician, no president that can change the Constitution. But what we're seeing is people are being bullied here in America because lack of knowledge. And we've just, I mean, people are just letting the government run all over them. And they have, I mean, they really, uh, yes, there's, you know, some The average person may know some of the um, amendments of the Constitution, first, second, third, fourth, whatever, but in depth, they don't know anything about the Constitution. They have no idea about the Constitution, the Bill of Rights. They haven't sat down and truly studied the law of the land. And you see the controllers of this world, the ones running it and the ones running the United States know this. They have dumbed us down since birth. So we're blind to it, right? A lot of us have no idea. We don't even, a lot of people now are at the point, they don't even care to know the law of the land, but they don't realize that the lack of knowledge is why they are slaves. They're sheeple, they're slaves. They've got their nose to the grindstone. They're too busy working, working, working to do any kind of study. Most people, that that's how, the, that's how the controllers of this world want it. They want you to wake up, go to work. Then by the end of your workday, you are too tired uh, to do anything but sit down and stare into the TV for four hours and then go to sleep and do it all over again. A lot of us don't have much time to do anything besides work, maybe go to the bar and drink, and then again, TV. So we have to, you know, you got to really make a conscious, a conscious effort to study the law and to really, um, yeah, really study the law. So I want to start off with this. This is by Benjamin Franklin. So it says, At the conclusion of the Constitutional Convention in September 1787, Benjamin Franklin was asked, What have you wrought? He answered, A republic, if you can keep it. 
Now again, what do we hear time and time again in the media? A democracy. A democracy. They constantly push a democracy. They push that agenda. We are not a democracy. We never have been a democracy. I'm sorry for those who think this is a democracy. This is not. We are a republic. The Republic of America. We are not a democracy. We never have been a democracy. This is part of the brainwashing and, and people just accept it. Instead of stand up and say, hey, no, we, we are a republic. We, this is, this is how this, what this country was founded on. Not a democracy. Okay. So I'm going to start uh, from Article 6 in the United States Constitution. I'm going to read some things here. And um, again, really pay attention to what I'm about to read you. Uh, it is of utmost importance. Again, if, if we know the law, well, and we enforce the law, we, the people, enforce the law, not the government. Remember, the government works for you and I, not the other way around. Even the president works for us, not the other way around. So it says in Article 6 of the United States Constitution, All debts contracted and engagements entered into before the adoption of this Constitution shall be as valid against the United States under this Constitution as under the Confederation. This Constitution and the laws of the United States, which shall be made in pursuance thereof, and all treaties made, or which shall be made, under the authority of the United States, shall be the supreme law of the land. And again, supreme law of the land. And the judges in every state shall be bound thereby. Anything in the constitution of laws of any state to the contrary, notwithstanding. The senators and representatives before mentioned, and the members of the several state legislatures, and all executive and judicial officers, both of the United States and of the several states, shall be bound by oath or affirmation to support this constitution. But no religious test shall ever be required as a qualification to any office or public trust under the United States. So that, I mean, that basic, that, that's, that's just a very small part of the Constitution, right? But that sums it all up. It is the ultimate law of the land. It cannot be changed. And, and all of these people that swear an oath to uphold the Constitution, lawmakers, judges, politicians, president, members of the military police force, they uphold an oath. They are supposed to keep that oath, but what have they done? They have broken it. I mean, look at them. Number one, the attack on your right to bear arms is so extreme right now and so high. They are going after your guns. Why? Because if they can get rid of your guns and if they can make all the men gay, turning the men to women, right? Taking away moral values, standards, take it, making weak men with no guns, who's going to fight? Who's going to stand up and fight this tyranny? Nobody, right? We live in a very weak, docile country right now where 80% of the men are now women. They are no longer 
men. Homosexuality as it is at an all-time high. It's absolutely disgusting. And there is no morals in the United States anymore. It is so hard to find a man with true morals and convictions, a strong warrior man. That is a rarity now. It is a pastime. So, have we already joined a one world government? Yes, we absolutely have. We are already in the one world government. And it is about to come to full fruition. It is, it is here. It's been here. It, it was taken right from under us because of our lack of knowledge. Now, I'm going to read this. The executive, judicial, and legislative branches of the U.S. government have followed the policy that the United Nations Treaty approved under the U.N. Participation Act of 1945 in behalf of the United States of America by Harry S. Truman and the United States Senate, which treaty supersedes the United States Constitution under the terms of Article 6 of the United States Constitution. The Council of Foreign Relations created the United Nations. Their member agents, Alger Hiss and Leo Pasvalsky, did the paperwork, but the honors went to a special committee appointed by President Roosevelt to draw the first draft of the charter. The members of the committee were Sumner Wells, Isaiah Bowman, Hamilton Fish Armstrong, Benjamin Cohen, and Clark Eichelberg. Eichelberger, all members of the Council on Foreign Relations and members of a secret order of the Quest called the Jason Society. And now, again, what I'm reading now, research these names that you hear. Extremely, extremely important. Remember, knowledge is power. The charter was rushed through the U.S. Senate without printed copies to guide the senators. It was explained to them by Russian-born revolutionary Leo Pasvalsky. The charter conferred no real power on the General Assembly. All the power was in the Security Council, where the veto was. The Senate would not have ratified the charter except that the American delegation had a right to veto if our interests were threatened by action of other members. Included in this chapter was and is Article 25. Member nations agree to accept and carry out the decisions of the Security Council in accordance with the present charter. No restrictions, no reservations. This is all of Article 25. Note the word present, indicating that there might be other charters. The veto was a hindrance to world government. It had to be circumvented. In 1950, the General Assembly, without any legal authority, met and adopted what they named the Uniting for Peace Resolution. This greatly expanded since that time, permitted the General Assembly to exercise the powers of the Security Council. I bet you did not know that. Now, the government of the United States recognizes the illegally amended charter as the law of the world. Not law of the land, law of the world. Let me read that again to you. The government of the United States recognizes the illegally amended charter as the law of the world. 
overriding our constitution. You see that? So the government, this government, they have already overrid the constitution of the United States of America. It's already been done away with. And it was taken right from under our noses because of lack of knowledge and all the brainwashing, keeping our attention elsewhere on all these things that really don't matter as our freedoms were being stripped away from us little by little. Absolutely disgusting. Now, where was I? Okay. So the government of the United States recognizes the illegally amended charter as the law of the world, overriding our Constitution. The General Assembly has for years been making the law of the world by ratifying resolutions by a two-thirds majority vote. When the resolution is ratified, it is sent down to the chief executive of the member state, and the executive is obliged to accept and carry out the provision in the resolution. The government's concerned must ignore, abolish, and revise and rescind laws in their territories which conflict with the resolutions of the General Assembly and to pass other laws which will put these resolutions into force. One man, one vote comes through resolution number 1760. So take that in for a second, folks. I've, I've said this. For years, your vote does not count. Everyone I come across when they start talking about, oh, I'm going to go vote, I'm going to go down to the... Your vote does not count. It never has counted. For the longest time, your vote has not counted. Again, look, look that up. Resolution number 1760. And there are more than 2,000 of these resolutions now in effect. They are the law of the land. And that was in 19, around 1990. There was 2,000 of those resolutions in effect. They are the law of the land. Our civil rights laws, the ex post facto sections of which come from the Nuremberg resolutions, our agriculture laws, our health and welfare laws, our labor laws, our foreign aid laws, all come from resolutions of the General Assembly or treaties of the UN ratified by our Senate. Any law passed in your state will be rescinded or abolished if it is in conflict with resolutions of the General Assembly. I can tell you, with no reservations whatsoever, that all of the intelligence organizations of the United States work directly for the United Nations in concert with the secret government toward the sole purpose of the destruction of the sovereignty of the United States of America and the bringing about the one world government. The authority cited for their efforts is Article 6 of the Constitution. The United Nations Treaty and the UN Participation Act of 1945 signed by Harry S. Truman with the advice and consent of the U.S. Senate. Wow, absolutely amazing. Now, this should help you understand how our laws are being made and who is making them. Ask your senators, congressmen, and state legislatures if they are aware of these facts. The following statement was made by Mr. Carl B. Ricks of Milwaukee, former president of the American Bar Association, before a Senate subcommittee which was hearing testimony on the proposed Bricker Amendment. 
It was entered into the house record by Han Lawrence H. Smith, Wisconsin, on May 11, 1955. Congressional record. This is page A3220. Statement of Carl B. Ricks, Milwaukee, Wisconsin. I appear in favor of the amendments. Congress is no longer bound by its constitutional system of delegated powers. Its only test is under the obligatory power to promote human rights in these fields of endeavor. Civil, political, economic, social, and cultural. These are found in Articles 55 and 56 of the Charter of the United Nations, a ratified and approved treaty. They are being promoted in all parts of the world by the United Nations. Congress may now legislate as an uninhibited body with no shackles of delegated powers under the Constitution. And again, I'm going to read that again. Congress may now legislate as an uninhibited body with no shackles of delegated powers under the Constitution. Our entire system of a government of delegated powers of Congress has been changed to a system of undelegated powers without amendment by the people of the United States. The authority for these statements is found in a volume entitled Constitution of the United States of America, annotated, issued in 1953, prepared under the direction of the Judiciary Committee of the Senate of the United States and under the chair chairmanship of Prof. Edward S. Corwin of Princeton. Aided by the legal staff of the Library of Congress. This is the conclusion on page 427 of the annotations. In a word, the treaty power cannot purport to amend the Constitution by adding to the list of Congress enumerated powers, but having acted the consequence will often be that it has provided Congress with an opportunity to enact measures which, independently of a treaty, Congress could not pass, and the only question that can be raised as to such measures will be whether they are necessary and proper, and proper measures for the carrying of the treaty in question into operation. It will be noted that one of the principal cases cited is that of the migratory bird case. These conclusions are those also of a committee of the New York State Bar Association, of which former Attorney General Michelle and Mr. John W. Davis were prominent members. Now, for some practical illustration of newfound powers under the treaties of what Congress may do. 1. It may enact a comprehensive education bill, providing for education in any state which does not provide it. In fact, it may take over all public education now provided by states and municipalities. 2. It may enact a Prohib Prohibition Act without an amendment of the Constitution. 3. It may enact a Uniform Divorce Act. 4. It may take over all social and welfare services rendered by or through the states or their agencies. 5. It may take over all commerce all utility rates and services, all labor. The list may be multiplied extensively at your will. The new test of constitutionality will apply to all legislation by Congress since 1945, which deals with any of the five fields of endeavor. Any judge deciding on the validity of legislation must have two books before him, 
one, the Constitution of the United States, and the other, the Charter of the United Nations. If he does not find authority for the act in the Constitution, he will find it in the Charter. That is the exact situation in which Justice Holmes found himself and the other members of the Supreme Court when they decided the migratory bird case. The authority was not found in the Constitution. It was found in the treaty with Great Britain. The question to be answered is this. Under which form of government do the people of the United States prefer to live? Manifestly, we cannot operate under both. Senators, the people of the United States have given up their sons. They have given up billions of their substance. They should not be only... They should not be the only nation in the world to give up their form of government, the wonder of the world, to discharge their obligations to the people of the world. That was the Bricker Amendment, which would have changed this, and it was not passed. Now, this is a letter from Borges, Texas News Herald, and it is dated Sunday, November 11, 1962. Dear Mr. Nubai, replying to your letter, October 12th, also challenged for November 1961, quoting Patrick Henry on treaties. In the first place, Patrick Henry was and is no authority on either treaties or the Constitution, and he opposed it. If it is too late to do anything about reinstating our Constitution, then why not just accept the traitorous U.N. Charter Treaty without more ado? Why didn't the American revolutionists think it too late or too difficult to defend their liberty? And if the highly intelligent farmers of the Constitution were well aware of the death trap incorporated in Article 6, why then did they so frame it? Did they not expect patriots rather than treasonists as our elected officials to honor and enforce the spirit, letter, and intent of the Constitution? I note you say that according to a law dictionary, the terms legal and lawful are almost one and the same. Agreed? Almost, but not quite. I believe there is a fine point of difference. Taking us into the UN may seem to have been done legally by the President and Senate, but the act is still unlawful, because it is unconstitutional. And the Constitution is the supreme law of the land, and that is in capitals. The Constitution, folks, is the supreme law of the land. Get that through your heads. All renowned and genuine constitutional experts, such as Thos M. Cooley, Thos Jass Norton, and Harry Atwood, to name several, have always held that anything which con contravenes, diminishes, or perverts the Constitution is null and void and of no effect. So all these new laws and regulations and rules, folks, it is unlawful. They cannot do it. That This democratic, this democracy, right, this democratic government passes these so-called laws that are null and void because they go against the Constitution and you quietly sit there and let it happen. They pass them in the secret and dead of night. Without your vote, your vote does not count. So if you go and you think your vote counts, think again. It does not. And it 
as I've been, if you've been listening to this, as I'm reading this, our votes don't count. They have not counted for a long time. It's a big scam. They, they want to make you feel like your vote counts and that you are voting these laws into effect. But the truth is that they make their own laws. They make you, it's an illusion. They make you feel part of the, the system like that you're still have control of this government, but in fact, you have no control. You are completely out of control, and all of our rights are being stripped away from us. So, back to the reading. Now, all renowned and gen... Okay, I read that. Excuse me. Neither the President or Senate has authority... Now, listen to this. Neither the President or Senate has authority or power to change, diminish, or destroy the Constitution by usurpation, treaty, or otherwise. Only a constitutional amendment can lawfully change it. The Constitution is a contract that we, the people of the USA, made with one another, which sets up the machinery of government to carry out this contract, mainly for the purpose of protecting individual rights as well as state rights against the powers of government. You see, the government works for us. We are the government. We, and we, the militia, necessary. We are absolutely necessary for freedom. Now, goes on to say, again, I'm going to read that. The Constitution is a contract that we, the people of the USA, made with one another, which sets up the machinery of government to carry out this contract mainly for the purpose of protecting individual rights as well as state rights against the powers of the government. And no public official has a right to override the provisions of that contract. None. Zero. Zip. Nada. To quote Thos Jass Norton's Constitution of the United States, its application, etc., a law of Congress to be one of the supreme laws must be made in pursuance thereof and not in conflict with the Constitution. When not made in pursuance thereof, it is, of course, unconstitutional and of no effect. So, again, this is the importance of knowing the law, right? So say you get pulled over and you have, um, you know, you have your your AR-15, non-California compliant, whatever, you know, bogus. First of all, you can have any gun you want. There's there's these laws of stating that you have to have a certain compliant rifle or you can't have this gun, you can't have that gun, or, or you can't have a suppressor, or you can't, you know, all this BS. you got to have a, a, a thin grip or whatever. That is all illegal. These laws are null and void. Null and void. But see, for far too long, we the people have just accepted it instead of, fight against it and say no we're not that is unconstitutional we're not going to accept that folks there is way more of us than there is of them we have a massive army of patriots put all the militia members just the militia members this is just like the members that are actively training and and um active how many militia members? We have more militia members than the militaries, all the militaries combined. FBI, 
local state police departments, whatever, we have more members just in our active militia. So think upon that. Again, we have more guns than they do. There's that saying, there is a gun behind every blade of grass in America. This is so true. So what are we afraid of? Why are we not organized? And why are we not standing up? Why are we not arresting these tyrants, these traitorous tyrants? That's all we have to do is we arrest them, throw them in jail, and uphold the Constitution of the United States of America. It's not rocket science, folks. It just takes some balls to stand up against these traitors. That's all it is. And it goes on, this letter goes on to say, and the same would similarly apply to a wonderful decision rendered by the Supreme Court or an unlawful treaty. And from Norton's undermining the Constitution, which quotes Alexander Hamilton, in number 33 of the Federalist, it says, It will not, I presume, have escaped observation that it expressly confines the supremacy to laws made pursuant to the Constitution. And from page 21, the general government can claim no powers which are not granted to it by the Constitution, and the powers actually granted must be such as are expressively given or given by necessary implication. Again, they cannot make up their own laws. They have no power outside of the Constitution, what we, the people, give them. Anyone with the presumed intelligence to be President of the U.S. must know that he cannot lawfully make any such far-reaching treaty with the United Nations or any other foreign power as you envision by your language, without laying himself open to the charge of treason under Article, under Article 3, Section 3 of the Constitution. So, let me read that again. Now, it says, without laying himself open to the charge of treason under Article 3, Section 3 of the Constitution. Okay, so Joe Biden, old Smokey Joe, treason. He needs to be arrested for treason. All of his goons, treason. Hillary Clinton, Bill Clinton, treason. Obama, treason. Gavin Newsom, treason. All these people need to be arrested for treason. Just the fact that they're going after our guns and our right to bear arms. That alone is enough to throw them in prison for treason. Now, just ordinary common sense is required to know that our alleged treaty with the UN and acceptance of the all-inclusive terms of its chapter by our presidents, beginning with FDR, who, con who connived with Stalin and Yalta for the setting up of the UN in the USA, and our Senate is a violation of their sacred oath of office as per Article 3, Section 2 of the Constitution. Such a treaty makes a mockery of any genuine allegiance to our flag and Constitution. A genuine American, Abraham Lincoln said, Worse than traitors in arms are the men who pretending loyalty to the flag, 
feast and fatten on the misfortunes of the nation. Think of any truth more applicable to the present time. There is nothing more truer than now. Nothing more truer than now. They are faking to love America. They are faking to be patriots. All in the name of democracy, they say. And they're, and they're passing all these gun laws for your safety and the safety of your children. That's how they play it off is that they are this savior. They are playing God. They are saying that we are here to protect you. This is why we need to take your guns away from you because we want to protect you. Don't you find it ironic, folks, that these same lawmakers and politicians that are making laws to take your guns away have an insane amount of security for themselves and that's and those security uh, agents that they have carry guns but you can't have someone at your children's school that is trained with a firearm to protect your children it's a gun-free zone and this is ironically where all the shootings are happening but these politicians and lawmakers and presidents have this overwhelming amount of security for themselves, but your children don't deserve to be protected? Think about that. Really ponder that. Let that sink in for a little bit. A gun-free zone is a death trap. These people have more security, and they but they say your children don't deserve don't deserve that. They can't have someone protecting them. They can't have security at a school. That's absolutely ludicrous. Absolutely ludicrous. Now it goes on to say, a number of our officials, including former Secretary of State Dean Acheson, the late John Foster Dules, and members of our present One World Kennedy entourage, go along with the statement that the USA now has no domestic affairs. There has been a melding of our domestic and foreign affairs. Meld means to merge. Katanga province in the Congo thought she had some private affairs and rights, but the UN soon disillusioned her. Quote from S.L. Tribune for September 14, 1961. UN soldiers take over in Katanga. UN troops seized Katanga's capital, Elizabethville, in a brisk battle Wednesday, and the Congo's central government proclaimed the return of that secession sensationists province. There is no doubt that the President of the USA and Senate have surrendered certain of our rights and sovereignty to the UN and plan still more. Hmm. Any informed American is aware that Article 6, Section 4 of the Constitution automatically cancels out any allegiance to the UN and its alien one-world internationalism. The antithesis of constitutional Americanism founded on Washington's no foreign entanglements and that said Republican representative form of government is the exact opposite of the UN Charter's Soviet-initiated modifications, restrictions, and reservations in its various conventions, which would nullify our Bill of Rights. Stalin, his protege, Alger Hiss, and Russian communist Povalsky figured largely in the writing of the UN Charter. 
to assume that a heterogeneous body composed of appointed representatives of foreign governments, some from crude, cannibalistic so-called states, and others from vir virulently atheistic co communist states, which governments do not represent we, the American people, could exercise dictation and control over U.S. in monstrous in the extreme is monstrous in the extreme, lawfully or constitutionally, they may not enforce any provisions of the United Nations Charter against us or take any action whatever affecting the sovereign rights of American citizens. Further, the United Nations is not a lawful government in the acceptance of the term and is not a proper body with which to make a treaty. Actually, the UN has no valid binding treaty-making power except as the subversive one-worlders try to make it so. Quoting Norton's Constitution of the United States at page 14, A treaty is a written contract between two governments, not a motley assembly of unstable tribes or enslaved peoples calling themselves government. Respecting matters of mutual welfare, such as peace, the acquisition of territory, the defining of boundaries, the needs of trade, rights of citizenship, etc., and such treaties, even though legally made, may be obrogated for cause. Quoting Ibid, page 115. A precedent for thus obrogating a treaty made by the President and approved by the Senate may be found as far back as July 7, 1789, when Congress passed an act to declare the treaties hereof. Uh, heretofore concluded with France no longer obligatory on the United States because they have been repeatedly violated on the part of the French government. So what about all the violations of the treaties or agreements made by USSR, which dominates the UN? The USA is vastly outvoted in this motley aggregation called the United Nations, even as American taxpayers foot most of the bills, which constitutes constitution, constitutionally forbidden confiscation of the citizen's money property without just compensation thereof. This is merely communistic confiscation. And again, I've said this before, you do not have to pay income tax. It is highly illegal. Well, first of all, the IRS is not federal. It is highly illegal for them to take the money out of your Paycheck. You do not have to pay income tax. Again, knowledge is power. Do your research. Now, goes on to say, a treaty made pursuant to the Constitution becomes a part of the law of the land and should be honored, but it does not become supreme or take precedence over nor supersede the Constitution. Nothing supersedes the Constitution. That is what it is saying. It is not the law of the land standing alone, and no treaty or executive agreement is binding on the USA if made by the president alone, as has been done with the advice and consent of the Senate, nor if it violates the Constitution. Actually, Article 6, instead of setting treaties on high or being a death trap, is a statement of the supremacy of the Constitution and of the national government. Lawful treaties are a part of, but subordinate to, 
the Constitution for the simple stated provision, therein that all laws and treaties must be made in pursuance thereof. Can the creature or part become greater than its creator or the whole? Some American common sense is necessary in all this blather about the supremacy of treaties, which is promulgated largely by the one-worlders to discredit or diminish the Constitution so they can achieve their own ends. The language and intent of the Constitution and Article Six is clear and forthright, and does not admit, in good faith, of any other interpretation. But sadly enough, it is well known that many of our highest judiciary and elected officials in this era of treason, not reason, do not act in good faith nor in pursuance of the Constitution. Remember, a good politician is a good liar, a professional liar. That's what makes a good politician. These people are lying to you. They do not have your best interests at hand. In fact, they want to see you destroyed. So with reference to fourth paragraph, your letter October 12th, Mr. Newby, that the making of treaties is without limitation, exception or reservation, and that no treaty has ever been declared unconstitutional or invalidated or repealed by the courts or Congress in the history of this nation. I think that the foregoing invalidates your statement. Remember, this is a letter that I've been reading. And as to Article 6 being a death trap over which the Constitution gives no control or remedy other than its explicit language in 6 regarding the law and treaties, has it occurred to you that the Supreme Court has power and authority to rule on the constitutionality of treaties the same as on the constitutionality of any other law, treaties being merely part of the law of the land? Article 3, Section 2 explicitly states, the judicial power shall extend to all cases in law and equity arising under this Constitution, the laws of the United States and the treaties made, or which shall be made under their authority. To quote Norton's Constitution of the United States, page 137, when a case arises in a state court and involves a question of the Constitution or an act of Congress or of a treaty, it is the duty of the court to follow and enforce the national constitutional law, for the Constitution explicitly and emphatically requires that the judges in every state shall be bound thereby, anything in the Constitution or laws of any state to the contrary notwithstanding. Any time that the President and Senate make a treaty with a foreign power, such as the U.N., which infringes upon or abrogates rights guaranteed to citizens of the USA under the Constitution, the Supreme Court can declare such treaty unconstitutional, void and of no effect. So do you hear that? The Supreme Court is supposed to say, no, that is unconstitutional. But what do we see? Not that. They do not care about your rights anymore. We have traitors in the highest places of government. That is why, folks, it is up to you and I to do something about it, to take matters into our own hands. Stop being cowardice. Now, goes on to say, Of course, the present Supreme Court, being composed of political radicals rather than judicial constitutional experts, is not likely to take such action. 
unless forced to do so by public opinion and demand. You see, it is it is what it's saying is it is up to us to force those in the Supreme Court to act on our behalf, we the people. And so, with reference to your statement and printed challenge for November 1961 to the effect that, under Article 2, Section 2, Clause 2 of the Constitution, such treaty as with the UN can be made without restriction, limitation, exception, or reservation, irrespective of the fact that it contravenes, violates, infringes, or alienates every article of the Constitution. Every article. All that is necessary is for the President and Senate to ratify any treaty, and it is in force. The above article and clause, likewise, does not stand alone. You must be construed in the light of the entire Constitution. Your interpretation is not only to make idiots of the Founding Fathers and farmers of the Constitution, but to say that regardless of the solemn presidential oath of allegiance required by Article 3, Section 2A, regardless of the supreme sovereignty of the U.S. Constitution and in violation of the explicit language contained in Article 6, this Constitution and the laws of the United States which shall be made in pursuance thereof and all treaties under the authority of the United States as well as all authoritative rulings by genuine constitutional authorities to the effect that anything which contravenes the Constitution of the USA is null and void, including any such acts by the Congress, despite all of the foregoing. I reiterate that your interpretation would claim that there is absolutely no constitutional safeguard for the American um, for the American people against treasonous treaties, which gives aid and comfort to our enemies, as per Article 3, Section 3. Your interpretation would give complete Im immunity to the maker of such treaties and would constitute changing the Constitution by usurpation in violation of the intent, spirit, and the letter of the Constitution as a whole. So, folks, this is exactly what has already happened. The people that are these controllers of the world that have completely changed the Constitution have full immunity. They cannot be tried for treason. Oh, but they can, you see. But we, the people, have to do it. We have to stand up and bring them into our courts. goes on to say, the president obviously is not a free agent by virtue of Article 2, Section 2, Clause 2, to make any sort of treaty he would like, but is bound down by the chains of the entire Constitution. Nothing else makes any sense. His treaty-making acts are subject to review by the courts. True, we should demand rescinding of the action by both Senate and Harry S. Truman in signing the UN Participation Act of 1945 in behalf of the USA. This would put the world on notice that we were once more honoring our own Constitution, Charter of Freedom, as the supreme law of the land and reinstating it to its former proper supreme position, as well as reclaiming our sovereignty as an independent republic, 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 not democracy in accordance with our declaration of independence 
There is not, nor ever will be, any true peace, freedom, safety, or security for the American people under the alien UN Charter, because that is who is controlling us, the United Nations. There is no substitute for American independence. Many men have died and worms have eaten them for far lesser cause. And so, Mr. Nubai, you and I do have one primary objective in view. Get the U.S. out of the U.N. and the subversive U.N. out of the U.S.A. Most sincerely yours, Marilyn R. Allen. So, now that you've heard that, folks, you can do your own digging, do your own research, do, uh, not again, knowledge is power and unity. Focus on, on what really matters. Stop getting distracted with, with all this fake propaganda media and, and the TV and the video games. Put your cell phone down. Uh, read books. Books are key. Stay far off the internet as much as you can. Yes, you can find good sources on the internet, but books, books are the best way to do research. Now, so that was that. Um, and I wanted to also, I'm gonna, I'm going to read, it is, let me see. Okay. So the story, it is the story of Jonathan May. Um, Jonathan May attempted to free us from the shackles of the Federal Reserve by creating an alternate banking system with instruments backed by land, raw materials, mineral deposits, oil, coal, timber, and other wilderness holdings. Jonathan aided Governor Connolly and the Hunt brothers in their effort to corner the silver market. The silver would have been used to create a Bank of Texas issue of real money. This would have destroyed the Federal Reserve had the hunts been successful. Now, when the world bankers realized what was happening, they destroyed Connolly, the Hunt brothers, Jonathan May, and Texas. And the Federal Reserve entrapped Mr. May by intentionally routing his credit instruments through the Federal Reserve, against the terms clearly stated upon those instruments, instead of through Mr. May's alternate system. And Jonathan May was illegally arrested, he was illegally tried, and illegally imprisoned in the federal prison at Terre Haute, Indiana. The world power structure has stolen Mr. May's idea, which will be used as the banking system of the New World Order and is known as the World Conservation Bank. Jonathan has served four years of a 15-year sentence. Now, this is a good story, and it's, it is all very true. And what's, what got me is very interesting is Joe Biden. Yes, Joe Biden is mentioned in this document. He talks about Joe Biden. This was, way, this was when Joe Biden was senator in the 90s, early 90s. It was probably 1990, actually. And this was when Biden was senator. And he is mentioned for his corruption. So he has been corrupt for a, a hell of a long time. So I found that very interesting. This is a good story, the story of Jonathan May. It is um, his account of the corruption uh, and the, the telling time of this was July 27th, 1990. So 
it is it is um very long. Like I said, this is going to be a a long episode, but I am not going to read the story of Jonathan May uh, tonight, actually, so I'm going to do that on the next podcast. It is necessary to hear his story, but it's very, and it is exciting because uh, Joe Biden is mentioned in there, his um, extremely corrupt self. But I do want to, I have a declassified document that I want to read you, and it is a, the documentation is the U.S. Army Intelligence Connection with the Satanic Church. This is kind of random, but I thought I'd throw this out there. I've said before that the U.S. Army is Satan's army. Okay? This was actually, that was a quote from Ted Gunderson, um, an interview with Ted Gunderson. Um, and he was talking about the, I have it on my podcast, t- talking about the Oklahoma City bombing. And, and anyways, but yeah, that the U.S. Army is Satan's army. So true. And this is a top, well, it was a top secret. It's a declassified top secret document. It states, Department of the Army, United States Army Criminal Investigation Command, 5611 Columbia Pike Falls Church, Virginia, 22041. Subject, possible adverse suitability information. Now, Ref Telecon, LTC, Jones, and Mr. Berkeley. Two, law referenced Telecon, the following information is provided. On July 21st, July 1981, the undersigned was contacted by Officer Sandy Daly, Intelligence Unit, San Francisco, California, Police Department. Phone number 415-553-1133. She related that in the course of an investigation of an alleged satanic cult known as the Temple of Set, and you can do more research on that, folks, she came across information that the leader of the group, Michael A. Aquino, date of birth 16 October 1946, 2430 Leavenworth Street, San Francisco, was allegedly a major in the U.S. Army Reserve associated with a military intelligence unit in the San Francisco area. Further, two other members of the group, a Denise Mann, NFI, and a Williams Browning, female, NFI, were also USAR officers associated with an MI unit in the Los Angeles, California area. An informal check with RCP, RCPAC reveals that their roles contain personal, uh, sorry, that their roles contain personnel with the names indicated, and that Aquino is a major armor and man and brownie, captains, military intelligence. Officer Daly was advised of the fact that a possibility existed that her information was accurate and that since it was not a criminal matter, military intelligence would be advised and would likely contact her. She indicated a willingness to share any information which they had developed. This is signed Lieutenant Colonel P. G.S. Chief, Investigative Policy and Studies Division, declassified. Now it goes on. Washington, D.C., 20310, November 81. 
18th of November, sorry. This is to CDR, U.S. Army Forces Command, McPherson, Georgia, 3330, confirming phone con, Mr. Honia, concerning subject, 16th of November, 1981, forwarded herewith letter from USAC IDC for your information and necessary action. A check of the files of the Federal Bureau of Investigation concerning the Temple of Set reflected no record of such an organization. Request this office be advised of your findings concerning the allegations noted in basic letter. For the assignment Chief of Staff for Intelligence, Donald P. Press Colonel, Director of Counterintelligence. Now, it's interesting. So they're trying to, it seems like they were trying to deny it, but in fact, it has actually been confirmed. Um, the more I've done more research into it after seeing this document and there in fact is the temple of set and it is um has a lot to do with the the united states uh military the army so you can you know temple of set do your own research on that but it is pretty disturbing what you will find but this as we all know this government is highly involved in satanic rituals child abuse child trafficking they're pedophiles, satanic uh, rituals they do upon the children, um, mass murder of children when the U.S. is number one, uh, you know, number one in, in these horrible, horrible crimes. So it's nothing, it's nothing new, but I thought I'd show you guys and uh, read a little bit of this. Um, it goes on. There's more. Uh, it says official use only. And, um, but where did I want to get to? So here we go. This is, uh, dated July 1st, 1981. This is a document memo for file 81-776. History. The Temple of Set is a satanic group under the leadership of Michael A. Aquino. It is a splinter spine of group, off group from Anton LaVey's Church of Satan in San Francisco. And now... A lot of you, I'm sure, knew about the Church of Satan, but Anton LaVey is like their leader. And they separated from LaVey's organization when that organization was undergoing a metamorphosis in 1975. It is a small group, but nonetheless has several hundred members and operates on a national level. Aquino is the official head of the organization and rules the organization through a council of nine, who are in fact his chief lieutenants. An interesting aspect of the Temple of Set is its seeming obsession with the military. One aspect of this obsession is the group's fascination with the Nazi movement, with, uh, with many of them wearing, uh, on occasion, World War II German uniforms and insignia. A more sinister aspect of their military fascination is in the fact that Michael Aquino holds a commission as a major in the U.S. Army. Army Reserve, with his military specialty being military intelligence. He purports to his members that he reports directly to the Joint Chiefs of Staff. This is probably a gross exaggeration, but it is a fact that he holds um, that he holds a major's commission and deals in the area of military intelligence. Two of his lieutenants, a female named Willie Browning, is also a captain in the U.S. Army Reserve in an intelligence unit out of Los Angeles. 
Another lieutenant in his group is a reserve U.S. Army officer named Dennis Mann. He, too, is involved in intelligence activities. Very interesting. goes on to say this in this document, Aquino Michael A. Michael Aquino, as previously stated, is the espoused head of the Temple Aset. He is apparently well-educated and holds a Ph.D. in political science and is a professor at Golden Gate College in San Francisco. His specialty is Western European political affairs. Aquino resides on Leavenworth Street in San Francisco. The number is believed to be 2430. He resides at that address with his girlfriend, children of his girlfriends, and his mother. His father separated from the family some time ago and lives in Southern California. Allegedly, Aquino has sexual identity problems and is known to frequent prostitutes in San Francisco in order to become involved in various forms of sadomasochistic sexual activities. It is believed that Aquino is bisexual. Projections. While the Temple of Set was always, was always be definition somewhat bizarre, it seems to be going through its own form of metamorphosis. They are returning to the practice of holding black masses, one of which is scheduled for July 1981 in San Francisco at an unknown hotel on Fisherman's Wharf. It is also rumored that the group is becoming potentially more and more violent as it recruits the less intellectual and more undesirable level of people such as some former members of Hell's Angels and similar motorcycle gangs. It is also rumored that they are starting to engage in animal sacrifices. Additionally, Aquino is speaking within the organization that the time has come for him to make his political moves. This is probably in retaliation to his position in the Army, in relation to his position in the Army Reserve. End of memo. And this is an article um, in a, that was in the newspaper. Um, gosh, I've not seen the date, but it says Devil Worshipper holds sensitive Army post and top brass say no problem. A senior U.S. military intelligence officer with a secret security clearance admits he's also the founder and high priest of a satanic church. And amazingly, the army says no problem. Lieutenant Colonel Michael Aquino, a 41-year-old former Green Beret, confirmed to the Inquirer that he's been involved in the devil worship for 22 years. He said he formed his own satanic church, the Temple of Set, in 1975, after belonging to another sect, the Church of Satan, for the previous ten years. My religion has been no secret in the army, said Colonial, uh, Colonel Aquino, who served as a psychological warfare specialist in Vietnam and is now a reserve officer working full-time on an extended duty at the Army's Reserve Personnel Center in St. Louis. He admitted satanic terminology is used in his church's rituals, adding, We are quite proud of that, but William Gill, executive director of the Catholic War Veterans, fumed. This is outrageous and a national disgrace. It is unbelievable that an admitted devil worshipper should be allowed to hold a senior and sensitive post in the U.S. Army. This abominable situation insults the memory of those who have fought and have often died to uphold the traditional values. 
Citizens have a right to expect our military to uphold the traditional values of God and country, not the evil ramblings of some satanic sect. Colonel Aquino's satanic church is advertised in the Yellow Pages in San Francisco, where he was stationed from 1981 to 1986. He says most members are in the U.S. and Canada, although we have a sprinkling of members in places like Western Europe and the Pacific. The Constitution guarantee of freedom of, religious, of religion protects Aquino from action by the Army, said Lieutenant Greg Rickson, an Army Public Affairs Officer in Washington, D.C. As long as an individual's religious practice remains within the limit of the law, there is no problem, Rickson said, but Catholic War Veteran Director Gill blasted that stand. For the Army to say no problem is mind-boggling, he said. This disturbing situation is a problem for everyone who is concerned about national security and morality. And that is so true, folks. This, I mean, this is important to know, this document. This is going back to the 70s and that high-ranking officials in the military worship Satan. Well, just as the Bible tells us, Satan is in control of this world right now. Obviously, God controls everything, but Satan has free roam over this earth, and he has. This is why these governments around the world are ran by Satan. These controllers, these bankers, these Rothschilds, Rockefellers, um, Morgans, they are all ran by Satan and they all participate in satanic rituals. They worship Satan. Same with the Freemasons. The top 10% of Freemasons it, are involved in satanic rituals. They worship Satan. Don't let anyone tell you don't let them tell you that, oh, Freemasonry is not a religion. No, it's the oldest religion known to man, and that is Satanism. They're worshiping of Satan. And they believe Satan has, has freed them and given this gift that they can themselves become like God. So, 90% of Freemasons are in the dark about this, or they just don't want to believe it. But they'll never make it. They'll never level up to that 33rd degree Mason. They'll never level up so far where they'll actually learn the true secrets of Masonry. So, but that's a whole other, you know, topic and conversation. We could go on a rabbit hole down that. But again, Freemasons are 100%. It is an evil organization. It is, it is 100% a religion. It is Satanism. And, um, Freemasons, Illuminati, they are controlling uh, everything in this country right now. Of course, headed by Satan. So you could call me crazy, call me a conspiracy theorist, but it is 100% true. And I know a lot of you listening. Again, like I've said before, this podcast is not uh, for the sheeple. This is a podcast for those who are seeking the truth or who already know the truth. Uh, who are God-fearing, um, good patriots. That's who this podcast is for. So again, we need to unite, folks. We need to stand together. And Jesus is coming back soon. We need to make a stand. We need to stand against the LGBTQ. We need to stand against this homosexuality. We need to stand against the transgender demonic movement that is oppressing our children, oppressing this country. We need to stand against it. We need to stand against these tyrants in government. 
We need not be afraid. We do not need to be afraid. And now is the time more than ever to build upon your relationship with King Yeshua because he is coming back soon. Biblical prophecies like look at the Euphrates River drying up. That's the sixth angel in Revelation. It says the sixth angel would pour out his bows upon the Euphrates River and it would dry up, making way for the kings of the east. Folks, there's only seven. The seventh angel is the return of Jesus. He is, it is right around the corner, literally. And he is coming with vengeance and wrath and a mighty freaking sword to cut down these wicked people. And he, right now is the time God requires us to sacrifice our lives. He requires us to stand up for truth because the truth will set us free. He requires us to stand up for these children. For those who are weak and who cannot protect themselves, he needs men. He needs men. We need kingdom men to stand up for the women and children, to protect them, to have morals, dignity, to have a, you know, man. We are in really dark times, and it's only going to get darker. But the good news is that if you believe in Jesus, you have nothing to fear. See, that, that having true faith makes you a danger to this government, to the controllers. Because with true faith, you're not afraid to die. You're not afraid to stand for the kingdom. You're not afraid to bear your cross. You're not afraid to lose your life. If you're not afraid to lose your life, if you're not afraid of prison, that makes you a danger. And then you can truly fulfill God's calling upon your life because you're not afraid anymore. You know where you're going. You know that God has called you for a specific purpose in this life. This life is but a puff of vapor. It's here one day and gone the next. So we need to do as kingdom men, we need to do all we can for those who cannot do for themselves. We need to stand up. We need to speak out. We need not to be afraid to speak out. Do not be afraid of these demons, of these hypocrites, of these Pharisees. Do not be afraid of them. Stand for something. If you don't stand for anything, you're going to fall for everything. Do not be afraid. Do not be afraid. God is on your side. He will protect you. He will guide you. He says, For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you a hope and a future. We need to believe that. As believers, we need to believe everything that the Bible says. We need to believe that that, that we will be taken care of no matter what. No matter what. And He will give you the courage and the strength to stand against evil remember as you walk as i walk through the through the valley of the shadow of death i shall fear no evil none zero we don't have to fear any of this what can they the worst that they can do is is kill your flesh right but we need to fear the one who can kill the body and the soul we don't who cares if you lose your life for the kingdom man what greater honor i know i am I would love to go down. If I have to die before Jesus comes back, I hope I get to see him come back. 
But if I have to, I will go out in a blaze of glory gladly. I will lay down my life and I will never to let this government take me alive. I will never let these evil people ran by Satan take me or my family alive. Never. They will never take me alive. Well, folks, that is it for today's episode. I'm glad you could join me. I know a lot of I was rambling on and um, but I just had to share this knowledge with you. And again, just to encourage you to build a personal relationship with Jesus, because that's really all that matters. None of none of this in the end really will matter. But and again, study knowledge is power. We need to study Study, 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 and know the law, know your rights as an American citizen, know the Constitution, so we can try to hold it against these people, so we can try them, throw them in our courts, try them for treason, and and uh, move on and you know set up a good, godly government. Well, thank you again for listening, and may God bless you, may God keep you. And just be safe out there.